ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Tyler Geist's basement here today. I have a filmmaker with a new film that, as we record this, just dropped today. There's premieres going on, a few spots all over the country. Uh, Nick Lyon is here with me today, who has a film called The Surprise Visit. Nick, thank you for joining me today. How are you? Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, you're welcome, man. Uh, I caught the film a couple days ago. Uh, really loved it. I mean, obviously, I asked for you to come on the show. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really, uh, it's a real tense what would you describe the genre as? I feel like there's like a few different kind of genres woven in and out of there. I guess it's a, I mean, it's a drama thriller, I would say. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. that's, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. Drama thriller. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I kind of would have probably said I that mean, too. I, I, I wouldn't call it. Any, yeah. That's about all I could say. It's a drama, but it's also got, it's a thriller. So um I wouldn't say it's an action film, even though there's a lot of running and stuff. But um, yeah, those last fifteen minutes, yeah, it's it's it feels to me like much more like the, an indie drama, thriller elements. You know, that's what it is. <laughs> I gotcha. Uh, let's we're gonna touch on the surprise visit in a little bit, but just okay. for the audience, what's the um, every time I say this word, I feel I see filmmakers kind of tense up. But but um, what's the elevator pitch? the movie like what's the what's the synopsis real quick um of this movie it's basically a, a, a robbery that goes wrong um you know a a young couple looking to make some quick cash to get down to mexico to get start a new life she's pregnant they find out that his dad's boss a rich lady is leaving town for the weekend so, and everybody knows that Miss Dixon has a bunch of jewelry. She's rich as rich gets. And so he's like, hey, let's just break in and steal some of the jewelry. And so they break in, but they don't know it. But the daughter of, um, of Miss Dixon came to town to visit. So a surprise visit. And she wasn't there. So her and her husband spend the night and they're actually there. And so the robbers, they, they believe there's not going to be anybody there. They get there and when they're confronted, um, things get out of control and the daughter's husband ends up getting killed by, by Rob Riordan's character. Um, and, you know, and then basically they get that Casey kills them and it's an accident. It's a total accident. And things just start to spin out of control as he starts to try to cover his tracks. So he takes um, Juliet, the daughter, uh, captive and ties her up and is contemplating whether or not he should kill her because she knows who he is. And that's that's the basic premise. It's um, it's based on you know on a on a true story as well. So not the whole film, but at least the premise because the the actual state where we filmed is where the actual robbery happened, and that robbery really did happen. You know. So. All right. I'll. Uh... I, that, that's one of my questions for later. We'll, we'll elaborate more on it. Um, but I want to get to know you a little bit because this is the first time we're meeting. And, you know, for the audience also. Just to kind of go back a little bit to the beginning, this is usually my go-to questions with actors, producers, screenwriters, directors that come on the show. Uh, it's usually the thing that kicks it off with kind of getting mm-hmm. another origin story. What was like the... The, whether it's a movie you saw, a book you read, I, I, anything, I mean, usually it has to be a movie, but like what made you go, 
I want to do that. Like, what was the situation? Make movies, you mean? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know pretty cl- That was uh, way back when, because I'm ancient. Um, it was, uh, you know, I was doing, photo- I was actually a mannequin repairer, you know, and I was studying art in Portland. And so I would, I would, you know, do paintings, had a couple gallery showings, was doing photography, always loved everything. And then performance art, a little bit of writing here and there. And then, uh, and I was working as like a mannequin repair person in this massive mannequin workshop, warehouse. And then I decided to go, you know, because I was into all the arts, basically painting, fine arts, uh, you know, mixed media, new stuff. And then I went to Germany and um, while I was there, I kind of decided uh, I want to go into film because it's the only thing that actually combines all of my interests. Yeah. And another thing was that I was um, into painting and I was like going to a gallery showing of some white painting with a line down the middle of it. And I saw all these people trying to intellectualize it and, and, I, and I was going... Okay, I, I think I need to speak to more people. <laughs> <laughs> Not to say anything. I was just like, okay, if I'm going to be an artist, then maybe I ought to do something that combines everything and that can actually get seen by millions of people. And um, yeah, that's pretty much what started it. And then I, I um, heard about this from a girlfriend, actually. There's a new film academy that opened up in, in Germany. And I had learned German to be there. And and I applied for it and got in. And it was like a four-year film academy in Ludwigsburg, Germany. Yeah, I, I, I read that about you and I was doing a little research. You were in Germany. It, this is this is just from what I saw on like IMDb or Wikipedia, which I know isn't mm-hmm. maybe the most reliable. But it said you were in Germany for nine years? About, yeah. I mean, it was like on and off. I mean, like I, I had left. Let's see, I was there from like 93 two or up to like basically to 2000 and then i've been back for another year so it's like yeah approximately nine years yeah you you've been around you're in portland you before we started recording i lived in i came back i lived in new york san francisco portland la tampa you Uh, told me before i hit record and then i grew up all over the west coast small town born in idaho lived in southern utah Grew up in Milford, Utah, with twelve hundred people. Then went to Vegas, and then went up to Portland. Do you like? Do you like to travel? Well, I mean, I feel like a lot of. I people have it but... now. I can actually say that I've been in one place for the longest amount of time so far, which is in LA. You know, cool. This isn't on my questions here, but like, you know, what kind of compelled you to, or what was the path that got you out to Hollywood to try to make it in film? Well, I had already done it over in Germany. Yeah. I had done a feature for Warner Brothers there. I started with music videos and, you know, being and short films and then did a feature film over there for Warner Brothers. And then honestly, I was just getting so homesick that I needed to come back. Um, And then I ended up staying up in Portland and kind of starting over because, you know, you get all your connections where you're in your basically where you've you know, I, I had made so many connections in Germany and they were kind of almost useless here, you know, still meet yeah. people, but you, you know, all the people that you study with and everything become your close friends. Um, 
and I have, when you have to rebuild that. Um, so I basically started over. It went from a Warner Brothers film to a small indie film <laughs> that I still produced called Punk Love, you know. So um, and that kind of put me on a new trajectory, really. Forgive me, but what's the film from Warner Brothers? I'm sorry that I, I don't. It's know. called I Love You, Baby. OK. And it was a kind of a neo-noir thriller with Maximilian Schell. It's ringing a bell. Oh, I feel it like was I've done way that. back when, but but it, you know it can be streamed. I think I have it on my website. A link to it probably to stream it, nicklyon.com or on my Vimeo page. So it's not available anywhere mm. because Warner Brothers produced it over there, and then the producers, you know, didn't go for. It was around the same time as like Tom Tickler's film, um, Run Lola Run, uh, and you know, and it, it's like it didn't. We they didn't submit it to any festivals or anything, which I think it probably would have done pretty well mm. back then. It's a shame. Yeah, you know, it's a fun <laughs> film. It's a fun film. I, no, I, yeah, I, 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 I bet. It, you know, yeah, no, it, I, I, it is ringing a bell. I feel like I saw it. I, I don't know when, but it is ringing a bell. Um, but as a filmmaker, you know what kind of who were your early inspirations that you know films you rewatched and whatnot and studied and tried oh, to reverse engineer honestly when it's when i started because i was coming heavily from the arts it was very david lynch and, all right i can you know, dig that david lynch like wild at heart and, you know and i liked all the true true romance and i liked gus van sant because a drugstore cowboy and yeah uh, um so you know that was kind of and then i always got into the old you know the hustler and stuff like that you know the hustler paul newman and you know anything that was kind of grungy you know because that's that was the time when grunge was kind of the thing you know <laughs> and a little bit of counterculture you know um back in the early 2000s so um and then it, it kind of evolved after i became more i didn't have any idea about commercialism you know and so it was always just like, okay, I'm going to make more art, you know, and have no clue about the commercialism of anything. And that was always fun, but it's not a very good way to, to, to make a career of it, or maybe it is, I don't know. Um, so then I just kept going, you know, and I, and, you know, it's transformed. I'd say probably my favorite director is probably Ridley Scott interesting he all right he that guy is still like oh, yeah like he's in his 80s now i think yeah. and he's still doing these big i mean i know like i mean he's obviously been in the press recently for his comments on people of my generation but <laughs> oh i didn't catch that but <laughs> but no i i love ridley scott i i i haven't seen i know he had like two films out back to back recently i haven't yet to see yeah house of gucci, gucci. Um, but he is, I, he is like in the, he's probably in my top 10. I feel just everything. He just does so many different genres too. And, you know, he makes, that's, go ahead. Sorry. That's exactly. I love that. You know, the genres that, and also, I mean, it goes from Blade Runner, which I think, you know, it's the best sci-fi film of all time, really. I think it's officially I, that. Um, and said right here you know but then gladiator uh i mean honestly like yeah i just like the fact also that he goes from action to science fiction to 
he hasn't done very many real hardcore dramas, you know, um, but I like that he's pretty eclectic and I've always, I've kind of thought about that because I try to jump between genres all the yeah. time um, and I have to, sometimes you just have to work, you know? Yeah, no, you have to work I, and you have to do stuff and it's like, it's still an art form and if actors can do it, why can't directors, you know? I thought it was so amazing with what he did with those reshoots for the, um, the, the Kevin Spacey movie that they propped oh. Kevin Spacey out of it and put Christopher Plummer in it. I, I remember I read the, I don't, I forget what, I think it was maybe Variety or the Hollywood, Hollywood Reporter or something. They mentioned the shooting schedule that was going on for that when they had about 30 days to the movie's release or something. Oh, yeah. I think they did it like an eight days after Thanksgiving and whatnot. And just, I don't know, like to be, you know, I don't want to say age takes stuff away from you, but I feel like that guy's still firing on all cylinders. <laughs> He's like 82 years old, I think. And I, I just, yeah. I mean, I, I really, well, been, I think, I think I think age may, it doesn't take anything away. People just when they're younger, they take a lot more time to do stuff. Sometimes. Yeah, no, and I, not not the young generation. Young generation is incredible, but but you start to maybe like not you you. It's like what is it like? Be lazy, do it right the first time. Yeah, <laughs> because you have a lot of reference and everything. So so I'm sure he's like very wise in knowing what he needs and what he wants. And, and, and I think it's like Clint Eastwood, you know, I mean, how the heck does he still direct, you know, I mean, he's, he's, and he acts too. And he's, he's still, you know, I've heard he's very no nonsense. Like it's not, I I think I I forget who it was. There was an actor in, in his films being interviewed, you know, they walk on set and there's nobody with a megaphone walking around there's it's just a very quiet set, which I think reflects in a lot of his movies. His movies kind of at times mm. have a quiet, you know, mellow tone to them. And, you know, you know, Clint Eastwood will just sit down and do a take. And if that take was really good, he might move on. He might do one more. It's just a very mellow atmosphere because he knows what he wants and it's no nonsense. And I think Clint Eastwood, you know, yeah. Yeah, he, he's one of the greats, too. But um <laughs> No, that, that's pretty cool. You know, you mentioned David Lynch also. I have to do a rewatch of Eraserhead at some point because I'm on the verge oh, of Oh, yeah. That's, father, that was, so. that was, I loved it. I back then, like the experimental, you know, Eraserhead. And I mean, it, it, even like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I like novel things like that. Yeah. Even it, like series wise, back when it was early 2000s, but like Carnival, you know, um, just you know it's kind of novel it's kind of unique these weird things i mean what that's i was a mannequin restorer i mean of course i'm gonna like that (laughs) i got you all right like let's uh let's do a quick jump here now right into the surprise visit i I, again Mm -hmm. we teased on it early on it's kind of why you're here basically if you can elaborate i know you touched on it early on but like this is a true story with um that so this so like a lot, cause I, I did a little uh, research on it being a true story and whatnot. <sighs> and I like got like different angles and whatnot. And I, I don't really. So I just kind of want to ask you. Like, well, it, it did happen because Nathan, who's one of the writers mm-hmm. and that was actually like his family's um, part of the film was shot on his family's one of their estates. Um, so it was his family. It was his story. He knew the guy. 
that did it, that robbed the place. Wow. The the guy that, you know, that plays you, which Eric Roberts is still working there. Um, and so, yeah, his son was a, you know, a, a drug addict and actually did break in and, and, and steal his mom's jewelry. And it was a big deal for them. Now, did he go crazy and try to murder her? No. <laughs> that that that's where the fiction comes into it, you know. It's like you mentioned Eric Roberts and like, you know, he's mm-hmm. the guy's doing movies nonstop on the regular. I feel like he's been you know, the, yeah. He's been in the game for a very, very long time. I mean, I feel like I read an article recently that he did like 70 movies in a year or something. I mean, I know like that, that can, yeah, that can ring. Honestly, I think he works 250 or 200 days a year. Yeah. (laughs) I believe it. I have a contact up North, a a filmmaker, I think just, or or he produced a film with him in it uh, that just got released. Um, But like, talk to me about the casting process. Cause this kind of feels like a lot of, you know, this just feels like there's a lot, a lot of moving parts with the plot well, and with these characters. It, it was really simple. I mean, this was, we shot it in November of 2020. So, you know, everybody's totally COVID paranoid, which yeah. rightfully so everybody's like in lockdown still. And, you know, we just said, okay, we're going to do a little, a little COVID film, you know? Um, and Sarah Hennessy, she, she, um, was produced it as well and, and brought the money together and, and she's married now married to Nathan actually who, who co-wrote it with with her the story and then we had Stephen Meyer come in and, and uh, he, he wrote the, the screenplay um, along with help from you know myself and Andrew Fine um, but the casting was like okay she's gonna play Juliet and then we did a full-on casting we actually just did a video casting for everybody and and took the best actor and so we landed jackie vignay um who's great um she was really good and then rob riordan um played casey and he just knocked it out of the park he just completely knocked it out of the park and and was amazing i mean they brought so much you know just brought so much character to the film and their own unique take on it and and then you know we needed somebody to play the father and i'm like hey what about eric roberts because you know he does work a lot um he's very talented um he works a lot and but i I was like you know he's from the south um and he he read it and was like you know actually he's pretty excited about it because he doesn't ever get offered to play you know this type of role Mm -hmm. and so that's how we got Eric Roberts. Just called called him and called his agent or his wife, agent, manager, and 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 made an offer. You know, and nice. he came out, and then uh, yeah, and then we cast all the other roles, just you know, locally or had friends come out, and they, everybody flew in, and it was only, I mean, literally, we did this film with very little. We had a team of, I'll I'll count it on fingers. I mean, I don't. We did this like literally uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight people. All right, dude. That, that is some like. So hey, four I mean, I mean, camera crew for November crew. for November twenty twenty. Yeah, like that's. I guess you kind of, kind of, yeah, 
I guess you kind well, of we, have to keep We set out to do it. Yeah, we just said, look, you know, we had this amazing estate, you know, which was like George Washington's cousin's estate, the original estate in Middleburg. And and we were based there every day and we had a very small crew. It's like wardrobe and makeup. We're doing, it was one position. Uh, you know, uh, we had a, a four people on the camera crew. That's including operators. So they were assistant. Basically, they all worked together really well. And, you know, we, we had enough combined experience to like, you know, know what we're doing to pull it off mm-hmm. and to do a good job on it. And I think, I think that's what we did. And it's like, it, it's literally, you know, for me, it's like, okay, if you can like to make a good movie, it's like, does it take a lot of money and a lot of people? No, sometimes it works better for me without a lot of people. Cause I don't have trailers and trucks in the, in the way of the shots. Like I can have them run where I want them to run without having to move everything. Mm. So you, you work a lot more efficiently with a small tr- team sometimes. And, and so, yeah, we, I don't know. We just pulled it off in like, you know, 15 days shot the movie and, um, and it was a very intimate, very, very, it was very intimate and very cool experience, you know, could actually just focus on the filmmaking and on the story. Yeah, I definitely felt like there wasn't a lot of just throwing some terms out here. There wasn't a lot of fat on the movie. It very much kind of gets in, gets out, and gets you mm. know, gets you a point, gets you the plot, you know, immediately. Um, which I I love movies like that. I mean, I think the runtime on this was like eighty two or eighty. It's like eighty six minutes. Yeah, yeah. Eighty six. I live for films that long because it's like i love 90 minute films and after that you better fucking earn my attention (laughs) yeah once we hit the 91 minute mark yeah and and i wanted it to be like yeah that to to tell it you know simple and straight and yeah very you know keeping it short like i hate i don't like long 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 boring stuff you know Mm. if i'm falling asleep then oh boy so i try to keep the pacing going and and try to keep a lot of movement in the film you know and that that helps too so you shot in virginia yep middleburg what what made you and forgive me if you may have already slipped this in but what made you guys decide on virginia well it's because nathan he that we were just setting out to do we were actually going to do a different film and it was on the the this estate, this big, you know, out where we were filming, basically. Um, and, uh, you know, with the waterfalls and everything um, and, a, and a lake going through the middle of the woods. And we were setting out to do a film there. And, and so then they came up with the story and said, hey, let's do this. And um, it's because we had the location. We had a fantastic location there. And it was the executive producer's house or his parents' house, you know, so. Nice. No, it, it, it was definitely beautiful landscape on some of the shots you were able to capture. Yeah, I, I really like it out there, man. I've never been to Virginia and. It's nice. I don't think it's it gets the credit. It's really nice. Right? Like, I feel like, okay, you look at the, the estates up on hills, you know, just like the, the rolling green hills and these massive, like, the states you know these massive like they're just like it's not like out here in the west i, I don't see that very often you know so yeah i i kind of miss environments like that because where i am in the world 
like yeah. I, have, I have an aunt in um outside of dc and alexandria and mm-hmm. i mean the last time i've been there i was like 10 years old so it's been like over 20 years now but i just there's just something beautiful about the countryside and the little towns in that and i yeah like i don't think virginia gets enough credit so i think that's another reason oh, no, why i kind of enjoyed this i one. loved it and they're like 40 minutes from dc so they're just in the outskirts and you know it's like a nice little small community um and I, you know, I, I really liked it. I want to go back to Virginia and do something else just because, you know, the locations were so great, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you there. Uh, as like a, so just kind of as a director, as you're prepping to go out and make this film, I mean, like what, hopefully I can try to word this as best, but like, what were you like kind of, what did you want to try to accomplish artistically with the film as the director? Like what kind of messages were you trying to convey? What, what would, you know, stuff Mm. like that. Well, it's the messages that are in the script are kind of already built in a little bit, a little bit of the, you know, a little bit of the class warfare in a way, you know, the difference between the desperate, poor people and people that have everything they need, you know, and where desperation will get you. And, and really then the complete, you know, turning of, 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 of other, an otherwise really good guy into an absolute monster. Yeah. And the influence of the, you know, I mean, it, you can blame it a little bit on the drugs, I suppose, you know, I didn't want to make a, a, a pro drug movie at all. And it's not. So, that's very good and you know i grew up in like smaller you know rural areas as well partially um and so i kind of i know this type of people you know and there's you know there's a huge you know meth problem everywhere and people get desperate and they might be really good people but they'll 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 do stuff and then when he does get desperate he just makes really bad decisions one bad decision after another and it just keeps snowballing and uh, until, you know, I'm not going to say anything about the ending or anything like that, but um, it's basically his mental, I think that's at the core of it, other than the survival of, you know, of Juliet, it's, it's this one person just completely falling apart. He just gets in way over his head. It's an accident and he just makes it worse and eventually becomes a complete monster. It's cool that you say that because I think once the credits rolled, when I watched it, something I just remember thinking like there were maybe a few avoidable scenarios in like like with that character that, you know, doesn't get avoided. Like there's I feel like there's maybe problems that could have been solved if it wasn't for him creating his own downfall in the movie. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that was. um that was definitely an interesting kind of final 15 minutes. Like the film kind of climaxes with a big chase throughout the woods. And I, I thought that was a really well shot, by the way, may I add? Oh. Um, yeah. The, the film definitely is a, I guess you could say a clash of personalities that, I mean, I know you said like drama thriller, but it also at times felt like a home invasion film. Well, that, I mean, you could, yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I kind of, 
a home invasion i guess it's become its own genre it really i <laughs> i literally interviewed someone last night who made a home invasion film so i'm kind of on a roll here but yeah i wasn't setting out to make it like a pure home invasion film but yes it is a home invasion film yeah well it's uh it's it's a great, it's great drama thriller great home invasion film um it is playing as we record this it came out today i believe yeah correct um is so it's out in theaters if anybody it's also on demand it is on demand how do you want to maybe maybe how do you maybe want to plug this where can we find all this you know what i mean i could it's on pretty much every platform on demand and it's in the in theaters now on you know like on time warner on you know whatever voodoo uh, uh all the all the subscri- subscription services mm-hmm. um you know uh it's not on netflix it is on amazon prime um so it's out there um on pretty much everywhere and i think it's one of those ones i, I think they they're distributing it right now so that you can just stream it from your on demand in like whatever in comcast and whatnot you know so and I know that it's in the theaters. It's in a small release, so it's Brooklyn, it's you know Riverside, it's in different states, smaller theaters. All right. Which are kind of almost gone nowadays, right? What's your take on the theater right now? Just real quick, like, what, like, do you, do you still try to go, or are you still kind of waiting and whatnot? I just, I, I like, I. Yes, I, I like movie theaters, but I wish there were more small independent theaters. Like I grew up, you know, in the 90s, like when I was in Europe and everything, it was like there was the small. I worked in a movie theater, you know, mm-hmm. I was a projectionist with real film, you know. And, Interesting. And it was like. um It had you were anticipating you look forward to the next movie. Yeah. Like, oh, when's the new Jim Jarmusch movie coming out? Or when's the new David Lynch coming? Oh, it's coming, you know, and you'd have like these great movies and it would it would be like kind of a fun thing to go do. Um, Cause, and, and in the in the smaller theaters, and I just feel like the smaller theaters are kind of going away and the little, and the following around independent film really is, is going. So you either have uh, the big, tentpole movies that are making it in the theaters um and independence i mean like those days are pretty much gone hopefully they come back but you know if you think about it like back when you had clerks you know clerks wouldn't see the light of day today you know in distribution or even like my private idaho or a lot of these films that were that were theatrically released nationally um were not big marvel movies they were not yeah they're just people like to go to the movies a lot more um now we have a movie theater in our living room most of the time you know you can stream it right from your tv and people get the 75 inch tv with surround sound and it's it's not a bad experience you don't have somebody uh you know chomping on popcorn behind you or you know like or bags of stuff but the theater experience, I, 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 I actually miss it and love it at the same time. You know, it's like, I want, I, you know, so I, I think it's, where is it going to go? I think we're, 
we're kind of there already. It's, it's tough to say though, things can shift, but um, I don't know where it's going to go, to be honest with you. I don't, but think- I, I do know that like, I think for teenagers and for people that want to go on a date and get out, and I think it's different in Europe than it is here. How so? They just have a, like, I think that the independent cinemas are just more active there. They have more of them, small little old theaters that, that still sustain, sustain and people go to the, to the art house movies more, you know, than and they are, I mean, they also have their big megaplexes, you know? Um, so, but I get the feeling that over in Europe, people tend to like go a little bit more, you know, and then theatrically, like in Asia, I know that's like in China and different parts of Asia, they almost some distribution. That's all they do is theatrical because people don't want to have, you know, they don't, they go, they go out to the movies because like, maybe they're not, they don't have their home system, you know? Mm. So so a lot of I'm surprised sometimes they're like, oh, well, they're buying theatrical rights in somewhere in Malaysia or something like that, you know, or in, and I'm like, huh, apparently a lot of people go to the movies a lot more. They don't they don't distribute it on home video. And then yeah. you have the whole problem of, of piracy, you know, which uh, is really funny because like when I did Species, right, I was asking MGM for a copy of it, like maybe two months or three months before just so I could like, and they said, no, we got to be really careful about piracy. And this was, a, it was about a month before the, the release. And my DP calls me from Mexico city and he's like, Hey dude, I just got the movie. And I'm like, where'd you get it? He's like, oh, I just got it on the street. <laughs> Nobody's selling it. <laughs> it had already been pirated, you know? So. Oh man. Yeah, I, I miss those. I don't want to say I miss them because I never really I didn't buy anything off the street. But like I'm go being in like New York or something and you see somebody with a movie that is, you know, either coming out in a week or two or already out with just selling bootleg stuff on the street. And it, I don't right. know, there's always like a niche market of bootlegs in New York City. Yeah, yeah. Typical New York. Um, well, no, that was a cool little tidbit there to kind of end the show, but yeah, yeah, if you want to see the surprise visit, it's playing and, you know, some select theaters, but it is on VOD. So I highly recommend you guys check it out. Um, as for you, Nick, if you can, and if you can't, you know, I know there's NDAs and whatnot people sign, but like, what's, what might be next for you? What's coming down the pipeline? If you can say anything. Um, I'm right now editing, uh, a film called on fire. And it's about a family caught in a forest fire. Sweet. <laughs> uh, and it was it was a hard shoot, you know. It's with um, Fiona Fiona Dourif and a young guy named Asher Angel, and then Peter Facinelli, and so we're and then Lance Henriksen, um, nice. who I love. He's great. Um, so that's in in the post right now. Um, and then I have another one called Titanic Six Six Six, which is uh to be original and it, yeah. it is what it is it's like i mean it's, it's what it is like <laughs> it's it's literally the the titanic it's a new titanic which there is this year there's a new titanic yeah. there's a titanic but they're going back to the to the spot you know where the titanic sunk and they get a a, a ghost invasion basically on the ship you know of that all the people that died is so that's not out yet is what you're saying Already. No, it's also in the post. We have a pickup on 
Sunday for that one. I will. For some underwater shots. I'm not even lying, man. I'm going to keep my eyes peeled for that because I've been (laughs) watching a lot of Tubi. And like I've noticed that there's been a lot of Tubi originals popping up. And I'm like, all right, Tubi's getting in the original content game and they're acquiring stuff. So yeah, I know it's they are. They're going to be producing a lot of movies. Because yeah. I mean, they got they got bought by Fox, you know. So Fox owns them. I didn't even know that. Yeah, behind the curb. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's really that that's cool, man. Um, where can we, if anybody wants to track you down on the internet, follow you, see what you're up to? Oh, where can we find you? NickLyon.com. N i c k l y o n dot com. That's my website, and there's a contact link in there. Yeah. All right. No, everybody, I've noticed that's been a shift. People are going like, nah, check out my website. For a while, people are like, you know, go to the Instagram, go to Facebook, find me on Twitter. Oh, I have that too, at Nick Lyon Director. Okay. Yeah. Cool, man. That's, and you know, I'm on Instagram. I don't use it as much. Um, I mean, I use it, but I don't use it as much as some people, you know? yeah like i i you know it's like i i we've i've created some viral videos like with this guy named enzo and i think we got like 215 million views which i have no idea how we got 215 million views it's ridiculous and then i did another one with him and i had 25 or 28 million and i was like what uh all right i'm gonna look into this i might leave a link yeah i mean his you have to look into enzo so okay and then you know, uh, otherwise, yeah. Like if you, uh, if you ever want to talk again, I'm around, you know, it's great <laughs> talking to you. All right, man. No, I'm this busy. Was... I'm busy, but Hey, you know, it's good to be busy. Keep, no, I keep I, working. I would love to have you back on the show. This was awesome. And fucking Titanic six, six, six. I might call you. Or something. You're like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it's like, also we have, I mean, the funny thing about it is it's like, it's got a bunch of like it, it's supposed to be a ship full of like social media influencers and stuff so yeah we have like annalyn mccord playing an inf- influencer and then we have jamie bamber from uh he's one of the leads jb jamie bamber from um battlestar galactica um is in it and uh, keisha sharp and joe gatt and so it's it's an interesting fun little cast and it was a really impossible it was like a hard film we shot it on the queen mary so okay which was kind of kind of weird it's uh <laughs> they say it's haunted and i and i kind of believe it all right yeah cool man all right nick well thank you again for a great show this was an awesome show i appreciate you coming out talking to me best of luck with the surprise visit um again everybody go check it out and uh that's it for me you guys know the routine right. uh leave a subscribe <laughs> leave a comment whatever you guys got to do on apple Podcasts and spotify wherever you find the damn show <laughs> see you next week on the basement <laughs> <laughs>